0: that they had brought to life well if so then look no further history of everything is just the right podcast for you it's available on spotify pandora and anywhere else that you get your podcast from join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friendly neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's not your history class, listen wherever you get your podcasts. J.K. Rowling had it all wrong. Hogwarts was not in England. Hogwarts was in Japan. I'm TK, your guide to the past as we uncover the people, events, and little-known facts hidden in the shadows of your old history textbooks. From empress baddies to activist profiles, turkey gods and the history of the toothbrush, tattoos, Pompeii peepees, and everything in between, you can find it all here. There's no telling how far we'll dig or how many historical facts we'll re-examine. No event is too small and no topic is too big because this is for the love of history. Hello, 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 my friend. I'm TK, your tour guide to the past, and you are listening to For the Love of History podcast, where we talk about world history, women's history, and weird history. And I honestly don't think that I've been this excited for an episode before, and we've done some pretty friggin' cool episodes. I have a deep, deep love for for our topic today, because it combines two of my most favorite things in the whole world. Witchy history and Japanese history. Because today, we are talking about Japanese witchcraft and wizardry, Onmyodo. And my little witchy patootie cannot wait any longer, so grab your broom and your best flying cape, and let's get to it. On the night of my 11th birthday, I slept with my window open in hopes that an owl would fly in and deliver my letter from Hogwarts. I was crushed in the morning when there was no owl, no letter in sight. I was positive the Dumbledore had it wrong. My owl was just late, so I slept with the window open for another night, and alas, it did not come. But what brings me some comfort almost 18 years later is the fact that J.K. Rowling actually had everything wrong when she said Harry Potter, the Harry Potter world in England. The real-life wizarding world, which is difficult to say, was in Japan about 1,000 years ago. And I am going to say this very controversial but brave thing. The Japanese wizarding world... Is way cooler and super hardcore. Of course, they had a ministry of magic and a school and all that jazz in Japan, too, but they also had exorcists and familial animal spirity thingies. They could also bring people back to life. Take that, he who must not be named. Mm mm. <laughs> But before I get ahead of myself, I've got to explain to you what onmyodo was all about and where it came from. So here it goes, my sweet little honeysuckle. Onmyodo means the way of yin and yang. And I'm sure that sounds kind of familiar, right? Anybody who was around in the late 90s, early 2000s, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you had a yin and yang choker. Don't fight me on this. I know you. I can see into your soul. Anyways, or a keychain, at least, at the very least, a (laughs) keychain. So, yin and yang comes from China, and a fair amount of Chinese, Chinese culture, (laughs) a fair amount of Japanese culture and traditions originate from China. Religion, writing systems, some government things, and a bunch of other cultural stuff. Onmyodo also originated in China and then China sent it to Korea and the kingdom of Baekje sent it over to Japan where it took on a completely different life. It's based on the Chinese philosophies of yin and yang and the wuqing, the five elements, earth, wood, water, fire, and metal. And these two philosophies have very distinct symbols that I'm sure that you've seen before. And P.S. And by the way, my husband Rin is totally creeped out by the two symbols that represent these ideas. I'll post them on Instagram, but I'll give you a little description. You know, the yin and yang, the white and the black swirly thing with the opposite dots. And then the the five elements is essentially a pentagram, but just with the elements around each point. (laughs) When I was researching... Rin was like, what are you looking at? He was very much upset by it. I was in bed doing research. He was like, you, you have to leave. This is, this is too much. <laughs> Anyways, love you, hun. <laughs> so these two ph- philosophies were introduced to Japan in the 6th century and began mixing with previously established religions like Taoism, Buddhism, and Confucianism. But unlike these other religions, it had a much stronger focus on divination and defense against the dark arts, if you will, aka exorcism. The vast majority of onmyoji, which are the practitioners of onmyodo, what they did was perform cleansing spells, provide fortune-telling services, and of course, exorcise them demons. <laughs> At its core, onmyodo is, it, is the art of divination. Onyo-ji could read the stars and decipher cosmological omens and movements, and they also used constellations to create good luck charms called ohuda. Ohuda are long strips of written text that sometimes contain star constellations, if it is relevant to the good luck of that particular event, and other times it has sutras or chants. Ofuda are still a thing today, and you can get them for anything from good luck in marriage or a job interview or to hang one up to protect a classroom, which is actually really common here. In my previous school, it was very traditional, and we had some ofuda in our classroom. So basically, you can get ofuda for anything, and they're mostly made out of paper, but some are made out of wood, and I'll I'll post those pictures on Instagram. Onmyoji were just doing their thing for a while, but mostly staying on the fringe of society until the 7th century, when the Heian nobility took note of their fortune telling powers. The Heian period was the heyday for Onmyodo. It was extremely popular among nobles and the court people because they were super duperstitious. Not superstitious, super duperstitious. In fact, hella dishes, and that was like right up the omyoji's alley they were here for it the heian period was nothing if not addicted to ceremonies and rituals and purification and things of that nature the omyoji soon found themselves as an irreplaceable member of court society and the court wanted them to be close at all times, so they decided it was high time for Japan to get its very own Ministry of Magic. We interrupt this program to bring you our very first sponsorship Can you believe it friend we have a sponsor we have our very first sponsor and i would love to tell you about it so here goes this episode is sponsored by politics and war the online political strategy game where you get to create your own country and compete with thousands of others diplomatically militarily and economically i know as a history lover There's been many a time when I thought I could run a country better myself and you could live out that dream in the game Politics and War. Politics and War is free to play with limited microtransactions to ensure that the game is fair and not a pay-to-win situation. You can play for free in your browser at politicsandwar.com or download the Politics and War app on the App Store or Google Play Store. Thank you so much to Politics and More for sponsoring this episode. Okay, okay, so it it wasn't really called the Ministry of Magic, but you know what I mean. It's basically what it was. The Ritsuryo system, as it was called, was put into law in the 7th and 8th centuries. The Onmyoji wizards became full-blown members of the Japanese government. The official title of the wizard bureau was the Bureau of Onmyo, or Onmyo-ryo, as it's called in Japanese. The Bureau of Onmyo was responsible for overseeing the divinations of the astro astrological observations, and the creation of calendars. They also had a few other branches within the Bureau for different things. They had the purification branch, the divination branch, the fortune-telling branch, and essentially the Aurors branch, the people that went out and hunted evil spirits. And they also had the people who were in charge of the calendars and figuring out what time of day it was, and ringing a bell every two hours. And I would be so pissed if I got stuck with a calendar job when hunting evil spirits was an option. So upset. But I'm sure there was somebody who liked ringing that bell every two hours. Not me. Not my thing. Anyways, the Onmyo-ryo officials, which was the name given to Onmyo-ji when they became official bureau members, held a super high position in court. Decisions were not made or executed without the explicit go-ahead from an onmyo official. Things as simple as, when is the best time to get it on, to have a good baby? To things as big as, when should we attack this enemy or raise taxes? Even the emperor himself used the services of onmyo ji. And Onmyo-ryo, independent contractors basically, and then wizards that were a part of the bureau. That's, that's the difference between onmyo ji and Onmyo-ryo. <laughs> so hard to say. One Onmyo-ji who also happened to be an Onmyo-ryo gained ridiculous fame during this time and is often considered the father of Onmyo-do. Abe no Seimei was his name, and this guy is a legend in and of himself, and is often likened to Merlin. There are a few stories about where he's from, but the most prevalent one is that his mother was a kitsune, or a fox spirit, named Kuzunoha, who famously fell in love with her human husband after he had saved her from being captured. While his father was a priest who was fluent in the arts of Taoism and Buddhist exotericism. He was basically, you know, bound to be a very spiritual baby. It was a spiritual match made in heaven between his two parents. So it was great. Everything was coming up aces. (laughs) He was really famous for being able to accurately predict the sex of children before they were born. Many Heian noble women would come to him in the hopes that he would give them news that a male heir was due to be born because that was really important. We cannot be having too many girls because girls have cooties or whatever. He also often entertained the court women by finding objects that they hid all over the palace. He would meditate and focus his energy and be able to find them. But he also did more serious things, and he was a super talented geomancer, which, uh, what is geomancy? That's a great question. Thank you for asking. I didn't know what it was before I, I researched this episode. So basically, the big thing that he could do was he could locate where to dig for wells or for placing barriers. He could, like, feel the earth And tell you things about it, which is cool and necessary. We need wells. (laughs) And he was also in charge of creating wards to protect people and things and places. He's most well known for making ofuda, the charms that we were talking about earlier, that were blessed and then they were meant to keep demons at bay and do all of those other things that I mentioned previously. He was like the guy for ofuda. The other big thing that he did was creating that five-point star symbol that we were talking about earlier. It's actually called the Seimei Kikyo because of Abe Seimei. He was the guy who popularized it. It was developed from the Tao practice of drawing a Wu Ching, the chart for divination via natural elements, those five elements we were talking about earlier. And Abe is credited with creating and also for popularizing it as a magical element in rituals. The Ministry of Japanese Magic continued its blessings and divinationings and got so popular that regular people started hiring the services of Onmyoji ji as opposed to onmyo for the exact same things that they were doing in the Bureau of Onmyo. They wanted protection, they wanted wards, they wanted exorcism. They wanted star readings and calendars and things like that. So the demand for Onmyoji got super high and a group of them decided to make a school. Like a real-life Hogwarts, a real-life school of witchcraft and wizardry, but actually just wizardry. Because I looked and looked and looked, but I could not find... Women who practiced onmyodo, who were onmyoji. But I will keep searching, and if I find one, I will let you know. So, there at the school, baby wizards would learn divination, star reading, calendar writing, purification rituals, and making ohuda. And also how to fight demons, summon a familiar, and bring people back from the dead. I wasn't really sure how I wanted to talk about this part, so I decided to give it its own section. Dark arts were a huge part of the onmyodo world. Not all wizards were cool and happy little dudes guessing baby genitalia and looking at stars. Oh no, no, no. So we're going to start from the lighter stuff and then we're going to get into the things that caused the onmyodo to be outlawed for hundreds of years. First off, we have the shikigami, shikigami, which are the onmyoji's equivalent to a familiar, like what Western witches and wizards have, but also they're very different. Shikigami are spirits who are summoned or created using potions and spells. Usually, an onmyoji creates a shikigami as a type of servant, and in some cases, unfortunately, an enslaved spirit. The shikigami's job is to protect its master and to perform basic chores such as sending spirit messages, scaring away potential intruders, and acting as an additional source of energy for spells and rituals. Generally, a shikigami is either an enslaved spirit or perhaps a thought form, and I really couldn't get a clear answer as to what in the heck A thought form is, so I apologize for that. If I find it, once again, I'll post it on Instagram. Having an enslaved spirit is highly frowned upon, though, unless the onmyoji and the spirit had entered into a contractual agreement. But that was not always the case. There are many stories of young, inexperienced onmyoji who were torn apart by their shikigami servants after losing control of them because they enslaved them rather than making a contract. They are not to be trifled with. They are super powerful things, not just cute little spirits that do errands for you. The guy that we were talking about earlier, Abe no Seimei, is often depicted with one or more shikigami, and he was once recorded as saying that he had 12 in total. Which makes him a certified badass. There are some shikigami that will appear, appear as animals or birds. By using a complex ceremony, the onmyoji connects the shikigami to the spiritual force of themselves. A spirit servant is bonded to you by your own energy. So as strong as your energy is, that's how strong the shikigami is. And this... This is the part that makes them so hardcore. Often, the shikigami only agree to serve an onmyoji if they are able to feed off of that onmyoji's energy in return. So, if you get yourself hooked up with a strong-ass shikigami and you are not a strong-ass onmyoji, you're going to get devoured. Yeah, it was not a good thing for untrained Onmyoji. If you ever watched anime like Naruto or Demon Slayer or anything of that dr- genre, you may have noticed that many characters use hand motions to summon power or to power themselves up. This practice actually comes from the onmyoji. In their special wizarding school, they would learn specific hand motions called mutras that were like kind of like sign language. And they would use them to summon powers in a duel with a demon. The specific mudras were called the Kuji-ing or the Kuji-kiri. They were chakra energy boosters and they provided enhanced protective auras. In a magical battle, they were used to strengthen the wielder's offense and defense capability, both physically and spiritually. There are nine of these mudras altogether, The rin, the strength of mind and body, the kyo, direction of energy, to, harmony with the universe, sha, healing yourself or others, kai, premonition of danger, jing, reading the thoughts of others, netsu, mastery of time and space, zai, control over the elements of nature, zen, lightning and speed. Those are the nine. The Kuji-in or the Kuji-kide are meant to power up your chakra energies, like I said, and enhance you when done. They can also be used individually for specific focus on those energies, but when all nine are used together, they create a powerful grounding of the self and all its parts. It was the ultimate protective spell, which came in handy as a part of an Omnyoji's repertoire in uh, controlling and commanding the spirits to do their will. These mudra were often combined with the creation and the use of ofuda, specifically written with spells on them for protection against demons and exorcism. (gasps) Oh yeah, exorcism. JK, she didn't have that in her book, did she? No, no. Exorcism was practiced way more than you would think back in the Day. And really, the onmyoji were the most famous for their exorcisms. Onmyoji claimed to be able to speak with the spirits of human dead as well as yokai and demons, which came in handy when they were expelling said demons from a human host. Most exorcists would use a young woman to act as the host of a yokai or yurei, which is a ghost, so that the entity might speak in a way that others not just that, onmyoji could understand. Hey, this is Editing TK and I'm just now listening to this back and realizing how unfair it is that women were used as hosts for exorcisms but they couldn't be onmyo- onmyoji. What the heck? It's unfair. I'm mad about it. Anyways, enjoy the rest of the episode. Bye. The onmyoji would ask a series of questions to determine the identity of the offending spirit so as to determine how best to expel it kind of like in Catholic exorcisms. In one famous example, a young lady was thought to be possessed by an evil kitsune spirit. They are a common character in Japanese legends and folklore. During the questioning, she became somewhat restless and anxious, and she climbed on top of the freaking roof of her house and started barking, so that the onmyoji was forced to go after her. Using specially made ohuda, the on the onmyoji expelled the kitsune while the girl was being rescued from the roof when the ofuda was placed on her forehead she immediately started throwing up black stuff and she regained her senses and the evil spirit was exorcised. this house is clean. <laughs> Many years were spent learning the use of these protective spells and the hand mudras necessary to protect against possession. And this was probably the thing that they spent the most time learning. So now we've gotten to the forbidden magic. Taizen fukan no sai, a powerful spell said to protect from death, grant longevity and even raise the dead. Although it was Abe no Seimei himself that created the spell, it was another onmyoji, Yaku Tsuchimakido, who made the ritual infamous. He was said to have used the spell to resurrect himself and extend his own life by like an unnaturally long amount of time. The spell is unique in that it doesn't really follow a specific formula. Instead, the onmyoji sits before his altar and says the names, invokes the names of all the major jigoku kings, which is the hell kings, essentially inviting them to have dinner. The onmyoji would then present a scroll with what he was offering, as well as his expectations in return. Oftentimes, these offerings included human lives, like full on human sacrifice. And this is what would really get them in trouble. The downfall of the Onmyodo system is pretty complicated and quite long. But what it really came down to was too many fake Onmyoji and the Meiji Emperor thinking it was too weird and it didn't belong in the modern world because thinking that you could bring somebody back from the dead or be immortal was not the modern way to think he thought that they were archaic fear mongers and i will leave links to in the show notes to some more detailed material if you want to look into this further and so the practice of onmyodo and other esoteric religions were simply banned The onmyoji were disowned by the court and stripped of their rank and wealth. They were no longer allowed to practice or be employed by anyone. The school shut down and the Ministry of Magic was disbanded. The dark lord of reality and progress won out. But fear not, my friend, for in the year 2006, the ban was lifted. And you may be able to find a link to certain magical sites if you check out the show notes after this episode. The wizarding world may not be dead. Well, my friend, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me. I cannot, I honestly cannot tell you how much I appreciate you coming along this journey with me. I absolutely cannot believe we got our first sponsor, which is so cool. I'm so happy. It would not have happened without your lovely support so much again. Once again. Thank you. If you'd like to support the podcast in other ways, you could leave a five-star review and rating, which helps so much. You could follow For the Love of History on Instagram, you could join Patreon, where we do lots of fun stuff. Or you could make a one-time donation to the Research and Beverage Fund help keep me caffeinated while I stay up late doing research. (laughs) All the pictures from today's episode can be found on Instagram. And I would love to hear if you think the symbols from this episode are also kind of weird. Shout out, shout out that in the comments. Again, thank you for listening. Take care of yourself this week. Do something that makes you happy. Give yourself a big hug from me to you if hugging is your thing. If not, give yourself a high five from me to you. Drink your water. I will see you in the next week for our very special Halloween episode. Okay, bye! Why is there a metronome right now? okay. (laughs) What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen and Jenny from Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts.